This episode of Excuse the Intermission is presented in partnership with the Grand Cinema. The Grand Cinema is the South Sound's nonprofit home for independent, international, and local film. The theater strives to enrich the lives and enhance the cultural vitality of the greater Tacoma community through the art of film. The Grand Cinema is dedicated to providing their signature art house movie going experience in a safe and healthy fashion. There is something for everyone at the Grand Cinema. Along with their wonderful weekly programming, they are also home to the Weird Elephant Late Night Film Series, the Silver Screen Society, Free Family Flicks, and Tacoma's Outdoor Movie Series. You can also inquire about theater rentals at the Grand Cinema by contacting their box office or website. The staff and volunteers cannot wait to make your experience at the movies a memorable one, so grab your friends, grab your tickets, and don't forget to stop at the concession stand for the Grand Signature Popcorn. The Grand Cinema is located at 606 Fawcett Avenue in Tacoma, Washington, and open seven days a week. You can find them online at www.grandcinema.com and on Instagram and Facebook at The Grand Cinema. How's it? I'm Alex McCauley. I'm Max Fosberg. And I'm Grant Colombini. And this is Excuse the Intermission, a discussion show surrounding the 31st film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This past week, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania, the introduction to Phase 5 of the MCU, opened in movie theaters worldwide and captured the discourse. Coming up on today's show, we will chat about Ant-Man, the future of Marvel movies, and what it all means in the big picture of cinema. We will also touch on the BAFTA winners as award season is reaching its crescendo. All that up next, but first a quick break. Hi right, guys, how are we doing today? Good, good. Here we are. We're uh, we're we're out of the quantum realm. We're back to regular sized people. It's great. Yeah, yeah. There was a uh, definitely not a small theater that I saw it at, and Ooh. definitely not uh, empty. So you know. It's 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 good. Yeah, to people be, were good. at the theater. Yeah, it's good. It was good to see that. I think that was the first like borderline sold out show I've been to in, in a while. Boy, you guys are champing at the bit here to get into Marvel. I'm just curious how my buds are doing. But <laughs> here we are, oh. getting right into the movie. So let's do it. All right. The time has passed. <laughs> we don't matter anymore. Okay, Kevin Feige tells us what matters. Um, so let's do some quick numbers here before we get into our reactions to this movie. The film at the time of this recording has grossed $360 million worldwide with a domestic opening weekend eclipsing the $104 million mark. Trust me when I say that that is very good. This is the highest opening in the Ant-Man franchise to date and exactly what the aforementioned Kevin Feige and Marvel aim to accomplish by releasing this asset at the end of February when there's not much else to compete with. The reviews are a little less than stellar than the initial financial returns, however, with the film only holding a 2.8 on Letterboxd and a 47% on Rotten Tomatoes. The film is directed by Peyton Reed, who is also at the helm of the first two Ant-Man movies, and of course stars Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, along with Catherine Newton, Michael Douglas, Michelle Pfeiffer, and the frontrunner for 2023 MVP, Jonathan Majors. Yeah. Uh, so this movie is silly, it's strategic, it's riddled with visual effects, and it appears to be the first bona fide box office success of the new year. So what did you guys make of this movie? Uh, well, I mean, what do you, what do you, what do you want? What do you want with Ant-Man 3? Like it's Ant-Man. So going in with super low expectations, I, I mean, I, I'm back, I'm back on the MCU train. <laughs> I, I mean, it was 
it was you were but no because you loved Wakanda forever. You're uh, yeah, I like you were Wakanda actually forever. a pretty like big Shang-Chi. Phase Four guy, I would say. Yeah, I, yeah. You, but, you but hated I Love hated, and Thunder. I hated Love and Thunder. I I didn't like a lot of the, the multiverse stuff. of madness. Multiverse of Madness was just fun because it was Sam Raimi. It, yeah. it, it 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 fell short of what it could have been, which was a bummer. But yeah, that wasn't that. And great. Eternals, you liked Eternals. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess okay. I guess I have been back for a while, but it's like maybe you moved up to the first class. I, I'd say my train. Ex, I'd say my <laughs> expectations now with this and like with the new dawn, like with Kang coming in, like with mm. this new big bad guy, kind mm-hmm. of like an, a a soft reboot without it being a soft reboot. I think my expectations finally got raised up a little bit because I was pleasantly surprised with this. I mean, the dumb jokes happened where the dumb jokes should have. Sure, there were some that we could have done without, but they weren't like just cringy. It was just kind of like, oh, that was for the kids. That wasn't meant for me. The it was it was better than the last Ant Man movie. I rewatched it right before, and like that story does nothing. All it does is just get Janet back, and like, but it's still fun. There's some great Ant Man moments, you know, like using a, a flatbed as a scooter going down the hills of San Francisco. This has some great Ant Man moments, or rather, this has some great Paul Rudd moments that I loved. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think Wasp needed to be in the title. She was she was barely in Is she this in movie. the movie? She was barely in the movie. Is she movie. in the movie? <laughs> and then her and then her performance in her scenes. Like I'm sorry, Evangeline, but like it was just not great. Yeah. Well, and she's been pretty public saying that she wants her own standalone show or movie yeah. or something along those lines recently, and maybe that's in response to And I don't know, like there's just something about the 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 Van Dines, all of them. The, the Pims and the Van Dynes, where I just don't like them. I love Scott Lang. I like Cassie. Cassie was a little hit and miss on this one. But, like, there was something about Hope and Hank in this one where I was like, you guys kind of suck as people. Well, I mean, Hank Pym is kind of kind of that character anyways, right? Like, from the comics, if we're looking at comic lore here. Right. I mean, he's a he's a very controversial comic book character all through all through his his run. Um yeah, I thought the movie was fine. Yeah, that was fine. You know, I, I think, I think the obviously, I think the biggest bright spot is Jonathan Majors. Um, as Alex said earlier, probably front runner for MVP. I, I think he is really operating on a different level uh, as far as acting goes. However, at times, because he is so good, felt like he was kind of in a different movie. Yeah. Than than the rest of the people, um, but he was. I mean, uh, and, and also like, did we now lose that version of Kane? You know, not to get into spoilers right away, but like, and I know there's million Kane Dynasty. There's there's a Council of Canes. There's tons of Canes, um, but uh, I don't know. Uh, I loved loved Jonathan Majors. Modoc did not work for me. It didn't. It did in the beginning, like the point of view, like when he's like swooping in and like you're seeing all of his yeah. tools. I was like, okay, if you're, if I don't know how you're gonna do Modoc in a live action movie, but this right off the bat <laughs> seems like you're doing it. And then when they reveal it's Darren and how it is, I was like, this is just stupid. Yeah. But that, then, but but his parts, like when he has the shield down and he is Modoc, I was like, that's pretty cool. But the whole Darren, like I'm not a dick, and him, and like showing his butt and his head butt, whatever it is. Yeah. It was just a little little out there. Okay, so before we get into some of these side characters yeah. and other things that are happening in this 
story that if, to some sounds like it feels contained and to others feels like it is this strategic rollout of phase five, which of course it is on some level. Yeah. But I guess I am just curious. Did you guys feel like this was a movie that was playing to a general audience or was this a movie that you were happy? Like Grant, you said you did a rewatch of a previous Ant-Man movie or whether or not you are familiar with phase three and phase four when all these characters really start to come together in these movies. Where did this land as far as like the homework meter? Is this a high level movie as far as understanding the MCU or is this something more along the lines of like a great question or along the lines of a Black Panther movie, like the first Black Panther where Mm -hmm. you can just kind of jump in and enjoy what you have for two hours in the theater? I'd say that this is definitely aimed at the people that have watched every Marvel iteration. You know mm-hmm. what everything means. You've you've recently rewatched the things to get prepared for the next one. And just for some context, what that means, too, for Phase 4. <laughs> we had seven films in yeah. Phase 4. We mentioned a few of them earlier, but it was Spider-Man No Way Home, Eternals, Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Thor, Love, and... Thor, Love and Thunder, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. You could throw Werewolf by Night in there as well. I did for the purpose of this conversation. And then you have the seven TV shows, Hawkeye, WandaVision, Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, She-Hulk, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And then probably most importantly to that Ant-Man movie that we just got, Loki. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So like with this one, I would say all you really need – I'm is. sure so many people just turned off the pod. There. Yep. <laughs> all, too much. <laughs> They're all listening, this. Marvel. <laughs> if you if you let's say like if you just did the Ant Man trilogy and you just did Ant Man one, two, and three, like yeah, there there's probably going to be something like a little bit of gaps. If you've seen Infinity War and Endgame, you're gonna you're gonna get what's going on, or I mean, just Endgame with with Scott. Um, but yeah, it's. It's, I think most, Loki is the biggest. No, yeah, most importantly, it's Loki because that's the first time you get a variant of Kang, of He Who Remains. And that's oh. the beginning. Like, I remember watching Loki, no idea what they were going to do. Like, knowing that Jonathan Majors was cast as Kang for Quantumania. And then all of a sudden, he's in Loki. And I was like, oh, shit, what's going on here? And then having that be the setup, that scene, when you meet Kang in Quantumania and you know which one he is – it like holds a lot more weight. If you're going in blind, you're just kind of like, oh, this is just a new bad guy, not important, whatever. Where if you do your homework, it builds a little bit more suspense and builds up like a little bit like, oh, this this is a big bad guy. But yeah, you could go in blind. You could go watch it and have a fun time. It's meant to just be colorful over the top. It's definitely trying to be like a, a funny Star Wars version because it's just like all out in the universe. And there's numerous, numerous odes to Star Wars movies mm-hmm. in this one. Mm-hmm. But there's it, a cantina scene. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, for the grand scheme of things, like do if you if you're a Marvel fan, it's for you. And if you're not, you can you'll laugh because it's Paul Rudd. Is that how you felt, Max? Uh. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I think the only thing you need to watch before is probably that last episode of Loki, right? So you can kind of understand because Kane again, I think Kane is the the focus here, uh, and probably will be going forward, in, at least in this phase or whatever we're in, this new saga that we're in, because the Infinity Saga is over. Uh, you don't need to go back and watch all you know twenty of those movies. Um, this is like a new starting point, I would say. Um, can, if, if you're not a fan of Marvel, if you're just like average Joe, I think you can go in and like, yeah, I mean, even if you're average Joe, you kind of know what you're getting into with Marvel. You know, there's going to be, there's going to be goofs. Uh, there's going to be a lot of visual effects. There's going to be, uh, action, um, 
yeah, I, I think you can have a, a fine time. Fine. I don't know. This movie is fine. It's fine. It's not, it's not good. Uh, I wouldn't say it's bad either. It's just middle of the it's, road. It's the old Scorsese line of there's movies and then there are films. And there are Marvel movies that are both. There are Marvel movies that are good movies that are films. This is a Marvel movie. This is just a Marvel installment. Yeah. It's it's the snowball at the top of the field. Maybe we'll get something that we're like, dang, maybe that should be nominated for an Oscar. That They weren't aiming for that in this one. This was just meant to be fun. Yeah. There's a scene where there's 400 different Scott Langs, 400 Paul Rudds just talking to each other, and it's hilarious. What what else do you, what else do you want? It's well, Ant Man. Well, I think that's exactly that's important because the Ant Man movies have been more comedic in the past. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that that was a fine line that the filmmakers had to to walk here. But it is it is a lot different than the other Ant Man. And that's and that's that strategic plan yeah. where they're on this tightrope where they want to cater to the Ant Man crowd that's there for laughs and because it's Paul Rudd and mm-hmm. everything else that comes along with that. But then also this new rollout and this setup of trying not to be too heavy handed. With it being the first movie of Phase 5 and just shoving all this homework and lore down our throats and also these expectations of here's what's to come next. And you need to know that Kang is from the 30th century and he's traveled back in time and all this other stuff. And, you know, the exposition, neither here nor there yet, right? Because this wasn't a a very highbrow movie. Now, of course, if you've done the homework already and you can pay attention to some of those odes as they're happening – then that's for you. And so I guess that's good that this is somewhere in between because it's when the movies – and now this is another conversation that we can have. Should these movies at this point now, with this being the 31st movie in the MCU, what should the objective be? Should it be just to just to pander to the people who have read everything and who have seen everything? Like is that your target demo or is it we want to appeal to the masses and we'll have a movie come out – once every two or three years, it's like a Black Panther or like an Iron Man that we know will just catch everyone's attention. They're they're leaning towards like, of course, they want to bring in as many new fans as possible, which is why they always want to do something cool and bigger. Like, for instance, they just released the poster for The Marvels, where you're combining Monica Rambeau from WandaVision and also Captain Marvel, Brie Larson from Captain Marvel, and then from the TV show, the Kamala character of Ms. Marvel. So all three in the movie, that's going to bridge some audiences. That's going to attract some people that maybe, you know, aren't too into it. Like they're, they're still doing things that are fun. Shang, Shang-Chi is a huge, you know, they're, they're leaning towards the genre films, Werewolf by Night. They're still drawing. They're still trying to draw in. But 31st film, they're, they're leaning into the fact that Phase 5 and Phase 6 will be the end of this MCU. And they've already said that at the end of this one. That's when the reboot button gets hit. And then maybe they do more. Maybe they go back. Maybe they do different. But then that's where the restart is because they have this Kang villain for the next two Avengers films. After that, Galactus comes in, who is the universe eater. That's going to compound all of the multiverse. So that's what this soft reboot is. You have all the multiverses now. So we're going to we're going to lose all the all the heroes that we have and then different versions of these heroes from different multiverses will now come in and then they'll be like, all right, now no more multiverse. And now we just have the one and then this is what we go with. And well, and what they're going to go be... with sooner or later will just be that hard reboot will probably happen. Now, correct me if I'm wrong with this, but I know the MCU is waiting to introduce 
the Fantastic Four and the X-Men. And that will be in phase six. And they will okay. be the lead. That will be kind of like the beginning and end. They will be the Venn diagram of whatever the new age of Marvel films will be. And that could come along at a great time because if this just keeps on going for another five or six years of this person's a conqueror, this person's a world leader, and here's what you have to do. There's 10 different MacGuffins spread out across 12 different shows. <laughs> That's just too much. It's just too much. And you need, uh, you need a new centerpiece like uh, RDJ and Iron Man. Yeah. You need like a new Hugh Jackman. And I know that he wasn't the MCU's Wolverine, but you need someone new like him. And for a huge movie star like Jonathan Majors to only get bigger and bigger and bigger, it will be interesting to see, even though he is going to be the antagonist going forward, if sort of the anti-hero campaign oh, well, that everyone there's, loves. There's millions of canes, right? So yeah. I'm sure there's going to be a good cane. Well, then the, – and then – okay. now Because we'll, we'll is it an in. Iron Man's uh, – or was he called Iron Iron Lad? Isn't that a version of Kane? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and not, and plus he's a version of, of Reed Richards' like – that's Iron Lad. Yeah. 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 So yeah, there we can get it. And that was teased in Doctor Strange? No, it's, that's no. from the that's from the comics. <laughs> oh, okay. that, that's the that's comics. just saying that it is possible because we are seeing and we'll get into spoilers now. I took a shot at a multiverse uh, <laughs> yeah. grab there and yeah. missed. Um that the Kang the Conqueror that is the villain in this one. If you haven't seen it yet, stop now. But this is the very end. That he gets sucked into the multiversal engine. And if you know anything from the Ant-Man movies like Darren Cross, if you get sucked down into something, you're you're not gone. So maybe that King the Conqueror is going to pop back up in like the Secret Wars and then be on this side. Ant-Man... I imagine with the King con, like, you know, the, the, what, the Council of Kings mm-hmm. that's now like coming together where the guy's like, who, how many of us did you call? All of us. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like this, like, and you see them all coming from their little yeah. squares and blah, 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 it's blah. Like Palpatine. Yeah. I, I guarantee you Scott Lang will be the new RDJ. He's going to sacrifice himself because he's the one that knows how to beat King or whatever. And there's going to be that moment down the line, but there is going to, there has to be a should have happened in this movie. Yeah, but I bet it's going to be this King the Conqueror coming, coming through, and I don't, I don't know who knows. But they all again, hate though, each I other. think that's probably too heavy for the first movie in a phase. Do it. Why the fuck not? <laughs> You're on your thirty first movie. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Fucking take a risk. Are you like all of a sudden we're just opening portals and like Hope can just jump back in and shoot Kane with his with her blasters and then they just jump back. It should have been like the ending was terrible in yeah, this movie. Yeah, it was. So anticlimactic. I thought for sure I, going in, I was like, listen, that, Kane is going to kill Ant-Man. That's why we have all these kids who are all clones of each other anyway <laughs> and uh, as the young Avengers. But that's why we have this Cassie character who, who now has happens, a suit. Yeah. All, who happens to have it the whole time, by yeah. the way. Uh, uh, what, that's what her? kids are into now, just yeah. engineering and oh, yeah. Yeah. you know uh, particle distribution and everything else. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but they don't take that risk. That like just do it, just there, fucking do it. There was give a, me some stakes. There was a moment in the final fight, which, by the way, if if that was anything close to what we're gonna get in Creed three, like Jonathan Majors is ready to fight. I mean that that was one thing this movie got really well was that f- end fight scene between Kang and Scott like hand to hand I thought was pretty pretty vicious that was pretty great but they had this moment where it's like oh dude Kang's gonna walk through Scott's gonna be left behind and then that's the ending that that's the beginning of this and I was like if they do that 
this is this is this will be talked about as like the new beginning. This will be one of the best Marvel movies. And then that doesn't happen. And I watched like in my head my letterbox score like go down a full like star and a half. And I was like, we're just getting the same ending, the same whatever. And like I was like, oh okay, so now Hope and Scott will be stuck in the quantum realm, and that's okay. So that so now when Kings come, that's one less Avenger. Like, mm-hmm. what, what's going to happen? Well, no, they can just open up the portal. They can yeah, just walk right. I, through. It's like. What's that's the why this movie, what's the point it's it's fine it didn't work for me honestly i like i you know i'm hearing grant talk about like you know being back on the bandwagon like i now i've got like one foot on the bandwagon like i, I yeah. keep going further and further off um I, I just you know they don't there's no stakes there's no stakes and even like again with this whole modok thing like if just make it a new character. Why do we have to connect it back to someone from the first movie that everyone thought is gone and dead? Like, no one dies. No one dies in this fucking universe. Yeah. We'll be back after a quick break. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. Well, there's never stakes in these movies. You have to understand that. There until, was, there until was there in are. the Infinity Saga. Yes, you know, fucking uh, you just Robert Downey Jr. died. But then at the same time, there's never the possibility. There's never because of the shows and everything else. There's the, it's always on the table that these characters can come back because isn't that even what's happened here? Where half of those characters that got snapped, gone, and disappeared. In Infinity well, War, have well, been brought back in past timelines. We knew that that was going to happen when they got snapped. So away. then, those aren't real stakes. Exactly. Then. Now and then, like you know, here's the another thing that like, and that's what happens when you when you go into the multiverse. It's like now, okay, you know well, what it also does too. Just real quick, this is also what you get when you announce eight movies down the road yeah. and five shows. People can yep. make those assumptions that yeah. oh, well, you took them away in this movie, but I know because this show's coming down the road that they'll be back. Secret Wars, we're gonna see. Yeah, you know, Scarlett Johansson's coming back down no. the line. I guarantee you, there's going to be a different variant of Black Widow. Maybe it'll just be for one movie. Maybe RDJ will come back as some. Maybe uh, Chris Evans will come back as some. He says he misses the role. There's, and that's and that's the thing with the, with the multiverse. It's just now, and I think that was the thing I accepted. Which I wouldn't say necessarily I'm back on the bandwagon, but now it's like I don't mind like saying like all right i'm getting off at the next stop and then if the next stop comes then i'm like all right maybe i'll wait on the next one and just playing it by ear is because there is no stakes and so it's just like it's just it's just popcorn colorful fun i'm starting to get to the point where and i know this will never happen but it's like marvel movies don't need to be in theaters at this point don't do shows just keep releasing them on your streamer charge premiums or whatever but it's like it's it's not like it's no longer a theater like experience. Like I don't, I don't care at this point now if people talk during a Marvel movie because you're not going to miss anything. Well, half the people are just waiting for the stinger at the end, anyway. Exactly. Yeah. That's the only, that, and that's the only thing that's exciting anymore is what's the setup. 
It's the it's Dragon Ball Z all over again. You, next you, week on fifteen minutes of talking a mile apart and, and, and building up energy uh, to then like they like start charging at each other and then next time on Dragon Ball Z and then the preview is like oh that next episode looks amazing and yeah. then you get to it and you're like what it is uh, these movies are just big trailers for for themselves they are well that streaming. You know, I don't even know what you would call that quandary becomes very interesting because the box office needs Marvel movies. Yeah. Right. But all of these other films that we like that we like a lot more than superhero movies and comic book movies and then Marvel movies because the focus of this conversation kind of is pigeonholed right now because Max, you and I are looking to go see a movie this upcoming weekend and at a 10 screen Cineplex, there's three movies being played. Well, and that's the problem, right? Like, yes, the these these Marvel Ant-Man's movies in like eight screens, seven big, screens. Big movies are are big, but there's no there's no middle movies, and then there's the small indie movies at the art house theaters and horror movies. That's and, and that's it. Yeah, and 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 it's going to start affecting theaters. Theaters are going to start becoming a luxury item. It's gonna it's gonna turn into like going to Broadway. I'm telling you, and 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 theaters are going to get more expensive. They're going to get smaller. They're going to have less screens. Well, the proposed AMC rollout for next year—that's already basically how you would price seats for the theater for the ballet. Yep. Where depending on where you sit, you're charging more, and it's depending on how early you charge him, maybe you get it, or how early you buy him, then maybe you get a discount. Mm-hmm. Disney eventually is just going to open their own chain of like Marvel theaters that are like more of like a 2D experience where it's like the lights and like the sound and it's all like exclusive. And it's like, cool, do that. And that's where I'll go to watch Marvel. But like movie theater, like, I don't know. There, there is just something that isn't like cinematic anymore about watching a Marvel movie in the theaters. It's great because it's big and loud and it's an awesome screen. But, but it looks like shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they all look like shit. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm I'm rewatching the Transformers movies and a movie from 2009 and I'm like, how did they better establish this CGI with practical effects on a 360 sweep constantly 360 sweeping shot and it looks real. It looks it's Michael Bay. Yeah, it's Michael Bay. <laughs> but it, but like the way the way they incorporate it where it's like this entire movie this entire film was on a was on a soundstage. Well, it, it's it's the vol. I mean, it's they the vol- even yeah. said, yeah, they use the volume like throughout this whole movie, and you can fucking tell. Yeah. You can tell it's someone walking in front of a screen. Like I, I don't understand what. I'm sure yes, it, it saves money, but like why, why, why must we do that? My the thing I'm wondering that I'm asking why about is like why do families keep eventizing these movies and when will and now it's kind of funny because I'm at an elementary school and there was no hype amongst my students for this movie and now this is a PG-13 film that they have a lot of attachment to because of past characters and everything else and you know the clothes and the crock gibbets and everything else that these kids wear that just superhero 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 they didn't seem to care about this movie. No one was talking about their parents taking them to go see it. So I'm wondering, is that just because it's a generation that hasn't really grown up with movie theaters being important to them and streaming is so accessible and this will be on Disney Plus in three months maybe? Or is it because the older generations that do have children don't want to go to the movies because of A, probably the price, but B, is this CGI just like bombardment? Has that killed it for a lot of people? Because I tend to think, yes, I think that 
you know, we're entering a stage where just things looked so outrageous that it's not, it, it's lost its appeal. It's lost its wow factor, its shock factor. When you see, you know, I remember talking about it during um, our Shang-Chi episode last year, where the end of that scene, where you had these big giant water dragons fighting each other, or however that movie ended. And we were like, 10 years ago, that would have been so cool to see on mm-hmm. screen. But now you watch it and you're like, this kind of ruined the movie for me. Mm-hmm. So it's tough when then all of a sudden you have to set a movie like this where outside of the first 10 or 15 minutes of the movie is all visual effects. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because like you go back and you watch Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk and oh. like like I was talking about before, like the the combination of practical and CGI together. I mean, it, it's insane how different and more captivating it is. The final fight between Iron Man and Iron Monger in the first one is by no means a spectacle. It's them flying around because they're both new to their suits <laughs> and like getting a few good punches, but it's them flying and causing some explosions, crashing into some cars, moving some things, throwing some things. And it's like, it's, it's adrenaline inducing. And then, but then like, spoilers again, Ant-Man g- growing 85 feet tall, which we've seen before, stomping through this fictional CGI city down in the quantum realm, bashing all of Kang's army, looks cool for like a good few seconds. But then there's like, there's no... Why do we keep saying down in the quantum realm, by they, the way? They shrink down. Does it shrink down? Yeah, it's, it's like okay. a microverse. So it's like in the Earth's core? Is that what you're telling me? No. It's, in bet- <laughs> it's a new dimension, but it's like... Okay. It's a different dimension, but it's like... So everyone is tiny. The aliens. But because everyone's tiny, everything seems normal and to scale. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah, you could never, you you would never know that everyone is tiny in the quantum realm. It's like, you know how the aliens (laughs) in Interstellar are in the fourth dimension and they're like a dimension above us. This is like a dimension below us. And we're like just caught in in a physical dimension in between. Okay. Yeah, science corner. <laughs> it's Marvel. They because they, they and that's another thing is they explain it. No, they don't. This uh, they, they, no, they don't go they to any don't. detail. Even though, okay, some of the writing in this movie, there's literally a five minute clip where we're bouncing back and forth between two groups of people, and every other word is he or him, and it is some of the worst writing. Well, I got annoyed. Would and you would you think it's because it's the like you're they're saying he and him before they say his name and it's y- meant yes, to be yeah. but I, I get it. You don't have to keep yeah, yeah. do and like it's it's like on purpose. They're oh absolutely purposely wrote it like that. Yeah. And I just um I, 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 yeah, it is this, this it is annoying. <laughs> it, fuck. it does have one of my favorite lines in the MCU though. And that scene where his mind is splitting and he's starting to duplicate and you just see a bunch of different versions of himself. And then the Baskin Robbins version of mm-hmm. himself shows up the second time he shows up and he's like helping him. You hear a version of Scott as a bunch of different Scots are saying something. You hear one in the very back. And it's like you could tell that Paul Rudd just said this in a take and they just kept it in. But you hear Paul Rudd very faintly in the back corner just go, do you have any ice cream? <laughs> like to me, that just sent me. I was like, God, I love Paul Rudd so much. So yeah, the writing was like pretty bad, but like even it had those good Paul Rudd moments, like when he's talking to Modoc and it's the whole, oh, it's an acronym. Oh, it's an ac- like it's cheesy, but it that one works. But I get what you're saying with the he and the him and the, he and the, him and the whole, and the whole, honestly, the whole, the whole Bill Murray dick. scene and Bill Murray was yeah. 
Michael Douglas telling Michelle Pfeiffer that he did it with a girl in a Marvel movie made by Disney is like the weirdest forced line I've ever heard in my life. And it wasn't you, baby. God, yeah, it's so bad. It was weird. There were some weird moments. Uh, but again, Jonathan Majors, fucking awesome. Amazing. What an acting like exercise where he gets to just play 9,000 million different versions yeah. of the same person. That's going to be pretty wild to see going forward. I loved him in the extra credit scene at the very end. The yeah. low-key little teaser yeah. of him on the second like, timely. An, an 1880s like inventor like with these small glasses and yeah. like huge like must that like look like a like a version of like Tesla or Frederick Douglass yeah. mixed together like it was just I was like god I can't wait to see more of this guy. Which is why I think I'm like Still sitting on the bandwagon. I'm like, maybe I'll get off at the next stop. But if it has Jonathan Majors, like, I'm, I'm going. Jonathan Majors is is a very, very good actor. He is very, very good because he can, he can raise this kind of project up mm-hmm. yeah. just with his performance and just what he does with the, like his face and how he like changes his inflection and his voice. He is really fucking scary in this movie. Alex, have you watched his scene in Loki? Mm-mm. You just even with no context, just seeing that that scene of him just te- basically being like, "I am the puppet master." I mean, it is just fun watching this guy do his thing, and then seeing how he is as this same person, but completely different, different posture, different yeah. voice, different inflection. I mean, it's just fun. And then at the end, you're like, "Oh, he can get goofy with it too." I don't know if you caught at the end how there's that one version of him that's just like, like ah, he's just like, "Oh yeah, my god, yeah. I can't believe." You know, like, it's just like, all right, this guy's going to have a ball. Well, okay, so let's talk about stuff going forward then, because with him being the new Thanos, basically, yeah. mm-hmm. we have this centerpiece of evil, I guess you could say. But as we've sort of alluded to, he may come back as an antihero. He may come back as good for certain projects, however it goes. Is this now going to be something that you think transcends Marvel storylines? Is there going to be some sort of reference point, at least, to Kang in every TV show and movie going forward? And is that important to you because we still do have standalone projects coming up? Now there's a lot of stuff that you can read about the troubles that the Blade production has had and everything else, which is too bad. But there are good – you know, there's promising things on the horizon for this new phase of Marvel movies – what do we think? So that's where they so something happened in in this movie which I have been confused if they were ever going to like fully flesh out which is Loki introduce timelines and there's variants and there's multiple timelines and this version of Kang is making it so there's only one. There they, he sends out people to make sure that no other timeline exists and they like nip it in the bud kind of thing. And I was like, oh, this is a brilliant way to introduce the multiverse. That's what other universes are, just different timelines. And they kind of touch on it a little bit in Endgame with um, the ancient one, Tilda Swinton's character. But then No Way Home comes out, and we find out there is a multiverse, and there's different versions of people that aren't just looking like the same, this, that, and the other. So it's like, okay, well, what's the difference? This one, they basically say, timelines, multiverse, it's the same thing. So it is, it is what it is. The end of Loki, which is basically stopping the nipping in the buds and just letting all of them exist basically kind of resets a lot of timelines to where Kang has now always been there 
if he has always been there. And we see at the end of Quantumania where there's like a pharaoh king. There's a guy from the future. Mm-hmm. There's a, a like a homeless king. There's like this like mystical, like, you know, prehistoric king, you know. So it, like in Earth 616, which is the primary Earth timeline, whatever you want to call it. We don't know which Kang has or hasn't come up. So maybe we do start seeing references to Kang like at the end of Loki, which is, oh, that statue has just always been there. That's just that that's just the, that, that guy. Or maybe he's someone that then comes in and bridges through. So it, we don't know. They could do like really subtle things about it, which is like this has now flipped the whole world on its head. Or it could be just to make it simple. We're just going to kind of ease in and just start peppering him in as the actual character. So like who, who knows what they do with this? What do you expect, Max? Do you expect more standalone stuff coming up or do you think everything's just going to continue to tie in to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next stinger? Yeah. I mean, other than it's interesting that you brought up blade because like blade really doesn't fit in like an Ant-Man movie. Like it or 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 even anything really really yeah Blade maybe Doctor really, Strange he could have popped yeah, up but he could have been in Doctor Strange maybe Moon Knight the TV show I could see that being a crossover but yeah I Werewolf don't, by Night actually would have been great he could have been one of the hunters totally well here's the current slate here's what's coming out mm-hmm. to see if we think what where can Kang pop in or if it is going to be just his own th- own thing so you have Quantum Mania. But then Secret Invasion, the show, comes out, which is the Nick Fury Kane scrolls. Is gonna be He's going to be somehow incorporated to that. Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Well, yes. Probably just like Thanos was in Age of Ultron. Right. Probably just an end credit thing because this is meant to be like Guardians 1, 2, and 3 can be its own. I mean, they're literally going to reference Endgame a little bit, but they're going off of Adam Warlock. It's all a sequel to Volume 2. So that's what we can see. Loki Season 2. It's all going to be about him. So that's where a lot of that juxtaposition is going to come. The Marvels. Space. Space, maybe. Blade and Ironheart. So probably not those two. Maybe Ironheart a little bit, but I don't see Blade happening. What's Ironheart? Um, The Riri Williams uh, from Wakanda Forever. Yeah, yeah, she's getting her own show. Um, And then Agatha getting her own show from WandaVision. So probably not there. Well, but there's magic there. There's a multiverse. Maybe there's a witch king or something, you know. I don't know. Daredevil Born Again is probably going to be more Earth-based. It's probably going to do more yeah. with Spider-Man and Kingpin, hopefully. And Blade. Cap- now, here's here. Now here's one. Captain America New World Order. The first Anthony Mackie movie, not the show, yeah. where he's Captain America New World Order. Are we going to lean more Winter Soldier and be more America-based? Or New World Order, are we talking, is he going to have to leave, you know? And then and then you get other shows like Echo, Thunderbolts, which is like their version of Suicide Squad. And then you get Fantastic Four, King Dynasty, Secret Wars. So I, I And that's he, when he'll be huge. And he'll that, be the yeah. Thanos, And that's that's the, the Infinity thing, War yeah. endgame thing. He'll yeah. be the big He'll probably big, big. he'll they'll probably pepper him in to different things. Like right. They, he's gonna be a background character, yeah. except for Loki too. I don't think he's gonna be a main guy until yeah. the end fight. Uh yeah, I, I who knows? I have no idea. It's so hard with 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 Kane too, like because there are so many different versions of him and and because he's like this multiverse like like you said 9 900,000 million yeah, characters. In, in infinite, in infinite. 
he he could show up anywhere. Any character could show up anywhere, which is really interesting, I guess, because like instead of Thanos in the first saga, you know, where it was like it's this one guy, he is he's far away, but he's coming. Like Kang can just be around. Well, then also look at like that great setup they did where, yeah, for the entirety of the entire MCU, Thanos is this one person Mm -hmm. coming for you. And then in the final two chapters of his saga, the second movie, it's a completely different different Thanos. Thanos. And so it sets up this perfect of like, it's the same guy, but it's a more malicious, more angry, different version of this. He's not so like. You know, he hasn't like resigned to this uh, this burden. He's mm-hmm. just kind of like, oh, I'm gonna be the king. And so then now you get someone that's like, do you think already Thanos lived- will come back? Oh, a hundred percent. In what? As King Thanos. You, or so something? yeah, because Secret Wars. In um, Disneyland, there's the in Avengers Campus. There's this the big ride that they are building this around. It's like the Avengers compound. And I was as I was there the last time walking through, I was like, it's really weird that they have this big building that does just nothing. Uh-huh. It's just a building. It's because they've been working on the ride, and it's going to be their rise of the resistance. And it's this multiverse ride where there is King Thanos and he's got this big white beard. He's basically got Sauron's crown and he's gonna and it's all about uniting all these people through the multiverse. And on the poster it's really cool. You even have Werewolf by Night. You have literally a representation of every single MCU thing. Mm. And it's a roller coaster ride that you're gonna go through and you're gonna help the Avengers fight King Thanos. So of course like if it's what if, maybe that's where Josh Brolin shows up again because mm. he got to do it there. And that's going to bleed into the real world at some point, too, with the Watcher and all that. So who knows? I, I can't can it out. No yeah. way. There's too much money for everyone. Ugh. That's the scary thing, too. Okay, so any closing <laughs> thoughts on Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania? If you're a Marvel fan, go check it out. If you're not, just wait for it on Disney+. Plus. That's my Yeah, uh, just wait for it. Go, go check out uh, Jonathan Majors. Yeah. Go check out his movies. Because he's yeah. really good. Last Black Man, San Francisco, other things yeah. for sure. Go back yeah. to Hostels, his first movie. Mm. Christian Bale. Oh yeah, yeah. And then the, the prison of, movie. And the harder they fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're going to take one more short break before we wrap up, and when we come back, we will cover the recently announced BAFTA winners. All right, we're back, and we're going to talk BAFTAs real quick. The BAFTAs are the British equivalent to the Academy Awards, basically. And so you have a lot of the same crossovers here, but you have to also understand that a lot of these winners should be taken with a grain of salt, considering some of the films that were made in the countries in which those filmmakers have came from. So with that, it shouldn't come as a surprise that the big winners of the night were really all quiet on the Western front and the Banshees of Inishirin. So that's not to say that this is exactly how the Oscars are going to go, but some very interesting things did happen. Namely all quiet on the Western front winning best film over Banshees, Elvis, everything everywhere, all at once and tar. When we think about this all of a sudden, Max, your theory could be correct. I, I, I warned you guys a couple weeks ago, All Quiet on the Western Front has got some momentum. And this gives them more momentum. We're, we're going to see what happens. I, I believe the uh, uh, Screen Actors Guild Right, but awards. there's no Best Picture award there. Sure. There's Best Ensemble Cast. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I, I think this definitely cements All Quiet for uh, Best International Film. 
mm-hmm. at, at the at the, the Academy Awards. Um, but you know, I I don't know. I it, there's something there's some sort of momentum there where like. It, War films do well at award shows. They certainly do. I have this entire week off. We're recording this on a Monday. By the time this episode airs, I will have definitely have watched this movie because now I feel like I can actually start my day at like 11 a.m. Just <laughs> sit down, watch this two and a half hour harrowing right. film, uh, probably downstairs on the projector, really try to immerse myself into it. So I'm really excited because it also picked up Best Director for its uh, director, Edward Berger, so he wins up against Martin McDonough, who I think was probably the odds-on favorite to win at the BAFTAs. Park Chan-wook was also nominated the de- for uh, Decision to Leave. The Daniels were nominated. Todd Field was nominated. And then Gianna Prince-Blythewood was nominated as well. So pretty good representation across that um, category. But again, that on top of some of these other things like adapted screenplay, it won score as well. Like huge night for this movie. And and yeah, I could I could see we kind of talked about this on our award show preview when the nominees came out. This could be cinematography. Did it did it get cinematography? Yeah, oh yeah, you're right. So this could be this year's Dune, but with the caveat that it actually takes Best Picture. Could see it happening. Um, it would join the uh, very rare group of a remake winning Best Picture. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was true, huh? Totally. That would be very true. Uh, outstanding British film does go to Banshees of Inishir, and so it does pick up a best picture, quote unquote, win there. But then probably the other most notable thing that happened at this award show was uh, Mama. <laughs> Mama walked away with her boy getting best picture. That's a really good. Awesome I mean, Butler. I mean, best actor. Uh, best actor. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, Austin Butler. That momentum's coming. It's, it's happening. Also, God, I, I was telling you guys again. I'm telling you. I, I know. I if I don't get it. I, neither do I. Listen, I don't either. But Austin, no, Butler it's old Hollywood. What do you mean you don't get it? This work. is yeah. Because he's campaigning his ass off. Brendan Fraser's great and fun for red carpet interviews. Yeah. But he's no, too Austin, nice. No, Austin, Fraser's Fraser's too I, nice. No, no, Austin I, Butler is full send right now. Oh, he's absolutely. doing hot ones. He's no, doing I get, everything. I get. I get the like. I get that. I don't get that it why is like why is he nominated? Because <laughs> he's portraying an old Hollywood icon. Yeah. This always works. This is why your boy I, Gary Oldman does, has does, best actor. Gary Oldman's not even good in The Darkest Hour, but he portrayed Winston Churchill. Hour. He's Gary. He's he's way better. Winston as Churchill. Churchill. Winston but. Churchill won best actor, not Gary Oldman. <laughs> okay, it's, no, it'll be the same here. They would be awarding this to Elvis, yeah, not Austin Butler. That's totally. the way. A bad, like, and that's my thing. I keep watching these side by sides. I, to me, I, I, I feel like this is Avatar all over again. I feel like I'm in the Twilight <laughs> Zone. I feel like he doesn't look like whoa, Elvis. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop dragging Big Jim's name through the goddamn mud. I, I'm just saying I'm equating it <laughs> to me feeling. To do with Elvis. I'm just saying that I'm equating it to me feeling like I'm in the Twilight Zone because I'm looking at these side by sides and I don't think he looks like Elvis and I think he's overacting as Elvis. I feel like it is a cartoon of him. And so it's like this weird, like where I'm like the like overall, like I, 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 I get, I get it, but I don't get it. I don't get it. The, and also, got- too, you have to think about the the inverse, right? What's happening on the other side? Award shows, for whatever reason, we've known this for a long time, and we just dug into it not that long ago. There's an Aronofsky, there's an anti Aronofsky bias totally, totally. at these award shows. The film, so the film itself 
hasn't resonated as well with audiences. And so that then takes an incredible performance to try to elevate it. And not to say that Fraser is not giving his all in the whale, but at the same time, the movie has to almost transcend like you're seeing with Kate Blanchett doing with tar, where I think her performance elevates that movie, even though I'm neither here nor there on it mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things. But once again, Kate Blanchett wins at this award show, beating out other people like Michelle Yeoh and a few others who were like, okay, what does this signify going forward? It, so it's just really interesting, like what you're saying with because the movie Elvis in Baz Luhrmann's direction, we've gotten into all that. He's not getting recognized with any of these other award show bodies. So it's like people are just responding to that performance because it's so over the top and it's so bombastic, which is who Elvis was. Elvis was a cartoonish character. It was. Yeah, but Austin just does something with it where, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'm not necessarily saying that like someone deserves it more. Yeah. And he says he's trying to quit, but we'll we'll watch Dune too and see. What he's he has to trying say about that. to quit. <laughs> he's trying, like, to, quit he's trying to quit. I'm it. trying to quit you, baby. Um, okay, so do you have supporting actress pulled up here too? Because I think that this would be really interesting to go through. It's the first time in a long time, basically, that we haven't seen Kihi Kwan and Angela Bassett walk away with those respective trophies, and now once again, Banshees being a British film and it being a big night for that movie. Goes a long way for getting Carrie Condon her award and Barry Keegan, who I think we all love, yeah. his award. Just going to be interesting to see if this means anything going forward. ISO, ISO. Uh, first mm-hmm. off, top of the key, the bath, the BAFTAs. Uh-huh. I think it's a little bit of a fucking cop out to have best British film and best film. Like, let's grow up a little bit, Britain. Come on. Huh? <laughs> why we have, why are we, we don't have best American film and best film. We just have best film. And then best international. Best international. Sure. But come on. And the British film nominations are 10 deep. What Listen, are we man, doing? Just recognizing their people. Nah, okay? come on. When, come on. Yeah. I mean, British people thinking that they're, you know, better. I don't know. <clears throat> However. Hey, back- we've charted in the UK before. Careful. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. That, back, back to the supporting actress, supporting actor. No, I was saying because like they kind of are. <laughs> uh, Banshees of In Sharon. I, I, I think it was a. I, again, I think. Unfor- unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know, because it's the Baftas. Mm-hmm. It is going to skew. Mm-hmm. To whatever, like, I'm sure Banshees was probably the biggest movie of the year over there. Oh, I'm sure. Um, so, yeah, uh, it is interesting to see Barry Keegan, like, walk away with that that award. That's the first, I think, the first loss for Keegan. Probably. Yeah. 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 And, and, the, and this, is the, this is the crazy thing about this year is, like, it, Barry, Barry deserves that. Barry deserves that where he right. did a, he did a phenomenal job. I'm not saying that like I w- would say he doesn't deserve that award. I mean that's the that, I mean it's crazy that we've had some years where we're like I don't know who's going to win because they're all dog shit. And then this one is like damn, it's a coin flip for a lot of categories. So it's I'm glad that Barry's getting some recognition. I still feel like it's a lock for Key at the Oscars, but it, I know it's it's really interesting. I always feel like the BAFTAs is like a coin flip. They like it's they nail it on the head, and like there's a lot of things that that transfer over to the Oscars, and then there's like half of them that don't, and so it's like you never know what what it's going to be, you know. 
I do think that, you know, the wins for All Quiet and Banshees do signify some sort of movement, but I'm kind of with, I'm still kind of with you though, Grant, where I think that there are a few people who are locked into their wins still at the Oscars, like Angela Bassett and Kiki Kwan. So great. Also great for Carrie Condon. Loved her performance. I love going back and like seeing her pop up and some other stuff. So yeah, it's it's great for them. But I uh, yeah, I think you're right. Where like a lot of these are still probably you know full steam ahead. So that was really fun. There's also the Producers Guild Awards and the Directors Guilds Awards that have been out. You can go look those up um, for yourselves. Interesting stuff there. And then this upcoming weekend, we have the SAG Awards, the Screen Actors Guilds. So that will be really interesting because that gets to be a little bit more telling um, as as to what's going to happen coming down the road i do want to point out real quick just going back to the austin butler thing here before we leave that seven of the past 10 best actor oscar winners did so for playing a real person seven of the last 10 seven out of the last 10 best wow best actors it's almost a lock no not always i'm saying like in his like people have played people that don't even get like get recognized but just recently this is recent and these you know from way 20 years ago 30 at, years ago those listen, aren't the people at, voting anymore at this point who who is even like left to play well who's <laughs> even like going up against austin butler fraser is fraser? no but what, but, what but has I he won I, I agree i agree what has he won fraser did he won he? the Critics' Choice. That was Critics the biggest choice. one he's won. So we'll see what okay. happens at the Screen Actors Guild because yeah. that would be a pretty big um, indicator as as to if it's more 50-50 than maybe you're thinking it is right now. But like when we do – Max and I were talking about this earlier off my grant. <sighs> when we do our Oscar uh, tally thing here, I think last year I won with getting four or five wrong. The winner this year might have seven or eight wrong. Like it is a real crapshoot. Oh, absolutely. For a lot of these categories, it's going to be you, you very by, interesting. You won by one point. By one. But I'm saying I got I like know. four or five wrong total <laughs> in the night. I'm coming for you. Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> you putting Fraser down no, and me putting Butler down that, might make no. the difference. Uh, Who I knows? Don't know. I don't know what's going to happen there. But no, I totally, I, I totally agree with you that it is like it, it is a huge crapshoot in a lot of these categories. Mm-hmm. Which is exciting because whether or not – I know you have a few films this year that you're really passionate about, Max. You mm-hmm. love Tar. You love Avatar, some of these other movies. Um, I myself am kind of more in the middle, so maybe that objectiveness will help with some of my voting. But there's really not anything that I'm too passionate about this year. Like I don't have a coda. I don't have one of those yeah. kind of movies that I'm really riding for, which I think makes it even more exciting just as a movie fan. Mm, if yeah. you are somewhere kind of in the middle or maybe you're just going to watch the Academy Awards because – you want to see Top Gun get a little bit of recognition. Maybe you're hoping for another slap to happen on stage. Um, <laughs> you know, we're almost we're coming up on a year anniversary of that, and that'll be really interesting. There's gonna to be start so talking many about. jokes. There, there will are be, gonna be right? so did, many jokes. Did you guys see yeah. the, the Kimmel bit? The, no, uh, what was it? They just like, it's like a little trailer for the for the Oscars. They spoofed the scene of uh, in Top Gun Maverick when he goes in and talks to John Hamm and the other guy, where they're like, "We didn't want you for this job," oh, okay. kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> like Billy Crystal is the Val Kilmer, like, you know, like Admiral because he's hosted so many times. But there's a part where they're just talking. They just drop like the line of just like, yeah, and if I do this, I, you know, I'll be unslappable over in this area. Oh, and, no. and stuff like that. Like they, they drop a couple unslappable uh, jokes. Insane. It's pretty great. Keep my wife's name out your mouth. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Um, all right. So that does it for the pod today. We want to give a special shout out to those of you who joined us at Camp Bar this past week for a screening of the Blair Witch Project. We had a ton of fun hosting that event and look forward to our next movie night in March with our friends over at Camp Bar in Tacoma. 
Speaking of friends, next week we will be be bringing on one of our Chatter Network brethren, Bob, from Drinking and Talking Animals, to discuss the new action comedy, Cocaine Bear. We can't wait to bring this sea bass experience to ETI, right, Max? <laughs> yeah. All right, I produce this guy every week, and uh, he's going to bring a lot of energy. Oh, a lot of energy. Bob, I'm excited. Bob will be a lot of fun to have on uh, the show. And then Cocaine Bear is just going to be one of those silly, fun movies that I think is going to be 100% approval rating, like a big crowd pleaser. So that'll be really fun to talk about. In between shows, be sure to follow the three of us on Letterboxd to figure out what we're watching as we prep for these new episodes. And until next time, we will see you at the movies. I want to do a special shout out uh, to my Uncle Jay. Uh, my Uncle Jay is uh, in the hospital right now. Um, he He's had some uh, some brain surgery recently. So he's, he's uh, on the road to recovery, but he's a huge listener of us. And uh, I know he's listening right now. So just want to give a shout out to him and let him know that I love him and uh, can't wait to, to, to see him again. Thinking about you, Uncle Jay. And, and while we're thinking about you, we're going to be drinking movies and watching beer. 